0: Uh, go ahead and turn with me to 1st Samuel chapter 15, 1st Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to minister a message that I had done a couple years ago um, and um, had the opportunity to minister down at Anchor Faith Church in St. Augustine and I felt this was a good time to bring it up. We just got out of sanctification and talking about the separation and the point of separation um, and, and that was a great series. I, I pray you got something out of it. I know I did. And um, going into October, it's really stirred me up for a lot of things. But we've been talking about separation. Remember, separation is uh, the the focal point of separating, becoming sanctified, so we can better hear the voice of God. Remember, there's two voices in our lives. There's voices that are uh, there's the voice of God that is showing us truth, showing us the way to do something, showing us the uh, the, the clear road. And the direction, but there's also that voice that gives us the option to get out, shows us another way to do it. Um, a lot of times it may, it although it is directly contrary to God's voice, it it tries to represent or bring you the same result. Remember, if we go back to Adam and Eve, uh God said, Do not eat of the tree, you will surely die. Uh then Adam then uh the serpent shows up to Eve and says, it's okay, you can eat of the tree. You will not surely die. And so even though the end result was living forever, the, the, the command that was given was directly contrary to what God had already said. Do not eat it, eat it. And so we face this on a regular basis. And so there's times where we have to hear God clearer. And we don't just hear God clearer by saying, God, speak to me, because the thing is, is he's always speaking. The problem that we have in our lives is we have to shut some things out. We've got to put some things down. And a lot of times, you know, we say we want to get closer to God and we want to hear his voice better. And God, I want better guidance and direction. I want to know the answer. But we don't take time to shut anything else down. God, I want to know if I'm supposed to take this job. But yet we listen to everybody else's opinion on, is this the right job for us to take? Uh, God, what am I supposed to do about my marriage? But we're listening to our parents or our sisters or Facebook friends on, you know, what's the best way to resolve my marriage when what God is looking for is for people to shut out other voices because he's always speaking and his truth is always there regardless. And so if we want to better hear his voice, we need to shut some things down. That's why kings and leaders and priests and uh, uh, prophets in the Old Testament, when they were fasting and when they were separating themselves and calling entire nations Fast, it was because we need clear direction. God is speaking, and we got to shut some things out so we can hear what He has to say. There were times where David would go to his men and say, "Hey, what do you think about this? Do you think we can take this? Do you think we can do this?" But there were also times where David would get alone with God and say, "God, do I need to go after the Philistines? God, do I need to take on this country? God, is this a battle I need to go after?" Sometimes he would say no. And sometimes he would say, yes, I'm with you. I'm there all the way. Thank God David did that, got with God, so he didn't go into battles that he didn't need to be in and stayed out of battles that he ought to have been fighting and destroying things in his life. So we have to be conscientious of this. And I want to look at a, a story here in First Samuel chapter 15. We're going to stay here uh, for the most part, I've got a couple of verses at the end that I want to get to that will kind of tie it together. But let's start here in verse 1. And uh, it says, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. What's he saying? He's saying God has appointed you as king over his people. These aren't your people to lead in God as you please. These are his people for you to lead how he wants you to lead them. So to properly lead God's people, heed his voice. That means obey his voice. So we have to hear the word and obey the word. Verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have, and do not spare them, but kill both, man, woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, donkey. This sounds like a very drastic thing, a very drastic command from God. But for you to understand this, I need to give you a little bit of history. I'm not going to give you every verse here, but I'm going to give you a little bit of history. If we study the, uh, the Amalekites, See, in the Bible you find, you know, Philistines, Amalekites, Amorites, you know, Jebusites. They're named after their tribe leader or the the father of that tribe or nation. Okay. Well, Amalek, it, it sounds like he's calling out one person. Go and take out Amalek. Well, Amalek is really the Amalekites. He's just saying Amalek because here's what God does with nations of people. He identifies them with one person. And thank God, we as a nation are identified with one person. See, when the nation of God comes together, you're identified with God. And that's awesome. When a battle tries to come against you, you can know that they're not just coming against you. They're coming against your father. They're coming against the leader of this nation. And so he takes it personally. Well, God took something personally here. He's referring back to when the Amalekites ambushed the Israelites. This takes place uh, over in Exodus. I believe it's uh, Exodus chapter 17. And Moses has just taken about 1 million people out of Egypt and taken them to the promised land. We know they never got there. We know that grumbling and... Complaining showed up and it didn't matter how many rivers were parted, how many seas were opened up. didn't matter how much water came out of rocks. doesn't matter how much meat came from the sky or manna showed up in the ground. They're still complaining, grumbling, complaining. I'm thirsty. I'm tired. I'm hungry. You brought us out in this wilderness to die. We, sh- we were better off in Egypt. Right? So we've got these Israelites roaming around in the wilderness. Well, these Amalekites show up. And they ambush the people of Israel. Now here's what happened, and some of you may know the story. Moses gets up on a mountain, and he's got his brother Aaron and another guy named Hur, and he's sitting up on this mountain watching the fight. And as long as his arms were up in the air, Israel was winning. God's people were winning. When his arms came down, the Amalekites started winning. This is the battle we're referring to. We know that eventually they fought until sunset, all the way until the end of the day. And Israel ended up defeating the Amalekites. But apparently some got away. And so God took this thing personally. Here we are. Um, I actually looked it up historically. And we're looking at close to 500 years after that battle. You think God's got a short memory. He remembered that. See, there's battles you faced in your life that you're thinking God's forgotten about, and they keep coming and oppressing you. and they Because, see, the Amalekites, they were one of the main oppressors of the Israelites. They just kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up. They were, they were worse than the Philistines. And these Philistines, they were coming. Do you remember Gideon? When he was called by God to go fight off the Midianites, the Midianites teamed up with the Amalekites and said, let's go get God's people. Because they're God's people. We want to make God look weak. So if we take out God's people, then he becomes weak. And so God is remembering this. And these Amalekites keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. So now here we are, almost 500 years later, I think it's something like 480 years after that battle took place in the wilderness with Moses. We know eventually they got in the promised land and they began taking over nations and taking over countries of the promised land. Because the promised land, that wasn't like, you know, Valdosta. The promised land was like the United States of America. And so they had to go take over this portion and this portion and this portion. And the promised land wasn't just an open land waiting for people to come take it. There were giants already there. There were already uh, nations in it and they had to go and take them over. Jericho was one of those countries. So God has taken his people moved them into the promised land. And we know what happens. They ended up forsaking God and going to the idols of the nations. They're trying to take over. They end up following after the idols. So judges show up. We see Gideon. We see Samson. We see uh, Deborah. We see all these judges begin to come up because God's people would say, We're getting, we're getting trumped here. We're, we're getting smashed. God help us. So they turn to God. God would give them a judge, help them defeat their enemies. Then they turn right back to idols, and then they cry out for help again. And it's just this big circle in the book of Judges. Well, now here we get to a point where the people say, you know what, judges aren't good enough anymore. We want a king. And Samuel says, well, you already have a king. God is your king. They say, no, we want a king like the other nations. We want a king we can see and touch and, and hear. And so he gives him King Saul. Well, King Saul started out good. He started out all right. But he didn't stay that way. And so here we are, King Saul, about 500 years after an event takes place. And God is referring back 500 years to this battle. Okay, we all good on the history we caught up? All right, let's keep going. Verse 4. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Talaam, 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek, and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul attacked the Amalekites, from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But watch what happens. Verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Saul was given a command by God through the prophet Samuel. He said, God has made you king over his people. You are leading his people the way he wants you to lead them, not the way you want to. So obey and heed and hear the word that God has to say. Utterly destroy all of them. If you don't understand what that means, let me paraphr- let me break it down for you. Destroy the fathers and the mothers and the infants, the animals, all of it. And what does Saul do? Well, the worthless stuff and the stuff nobody cares about, we'll get rid of that. But we're keeping the king and all that is good all the animals that are good so we got a problem we've got a problem here so let's keep on going and uh, find out what happens verse 10 now the word of the lord came to samuel saying i greatly regret that i have set up saul as king for he has turned back from following me and not and has not performed my commandments And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. For himself. Not even for God, for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul and said, Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord well. But Samuel said, verse 14, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? He said, Why why are dead things talking? Why are the things that are supposed to be dead and put down, that I've commanded you to put down, why are they still alive and making noise? Verse 16, And Samuel said to Saul, be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, you were not head of the tribes of Israel. Were you not, that, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He's still fighting this thing. But the people took of the plunder. Now he's blaming the people. The people took up the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king. Verse 24, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord uh, and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. That's why you don't live for people. Whose voice did he obey? The people's voice. He obeyed the other voice. There's two voices in our lives. And he followed a different voice. Now, whether or not the people actually chose to do that, it doesn't say. Right now, all we we can speculate is he's just blaming the people. But regardless, there was a voice that showed up somewhere in his life that said, you know what, instead of utterly destroying everything, let's hang on to this, and let's hang on to this good stuff, and let's keep this for a little bit and let's sacrifice this. And God's saying, look, if, if, if you would have just obeyed my voice, that would have been all the sacrifice I needed. He's not looking for a sacrifice. He's looking for just obey my word. I've already given you my word. My voice is already spoken. Verse 25, now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Notice here, it's the same exact thing that happened in the garden. It's a repeat. Saul's inability to remain under the authority of his king forced him out of the responsibility to be king. His inability to follow orders removed him from giving orders. His disobedience to God's word caused his words to be nothing. He has been removed as a king because he did not obey the king. Well, that's the same thing that took place in the garden. Adam and Eve, they had dominion. They were on this earth to rule as kings. They were on this earth with full control. There was nothing that God withheld from them. There was nothing that they couldn't do. They didn't even have to go to God for it. God had already given it to them. But their inability to obey God's word removed them from authority. Our authority in life is directly tied to our ability to remain under God's authority. You're going to have a hard time in your life bossing the devil around and trying to put him in his place and cause things to happen for you in this earth if we cannot obey God's voice, period. Period. The first area of my life that I look at, if attack is coming on me, uh, if, if things are trying to come against me, the first area that I look, I don't look at other people, I don't look at... Uh, You know what? Well, you know it's just the devil, and you know he's just running around, just doing his thing. The first thing I look at is what part of my life is out of alignment. If if my if I'm having issues in my finances, or if there's something in my marriage that's going on, or or if it's sickness trying to attack my body, the first thing I look at is if there's something that's out of alignment. I want to correct it. I want to get in under God's authority, so I have authority. Because he's already given me all that authority. All authority and power has been given to us. Romans chapter five verse seventeen says that we are to reign in life as kings. That's not a joke. That, that's not. That, that's not. You know, reign in life as kings, not just tricking you. Jk. Lol. That's not what he's saying. He's saying reign in life as kings. My son. Uh, Jesus went, died on the cross, rose again to place you back in the position of authority. Sickness has no business in your body. Your, your finances have no uh, no business uh, falling apart. Your marriage ought to be the strongest. You ought to be able to do the best and have the best in this life. But our authority is stripped if we can't remain under His authority. The first thing I want to know is what part of my life is not in alignment? Where, where am I out? Father, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I repent for that. I've sinned. Why? So I can get back in my authority. And just about every time, the thing straightens up. And then I, have, then I, place, then I stand in my position of authority back over the enemy. Because Jesus whipped, stripped, and defeated him, man. He, he, he made him a, a public spectacle, the Bible says. The Bible says that he's, roaring around, uh, li- he's he's roaming around the earth like a roaring lion. Like. But he's not a roaring lion. Jesus is the lion. And so the authority we have. We have it. Saul had the authority. He was a king. But yet was removed from that. Why? Because he couldn't obey his authority. You ask any military guy if you don't remain in authority that you're under, you're not going to be in authority much longer. It will be stripped from you. If you cannot follow orders, you won't be giving orders. And so that's why when Jesus showed up to the Roman centurion, the Roman centurion comes to Jesus and said, hey, my servant, uh, he's back at home, and he's on his deathbed. His life is coming to an end. I need you you to help him. Jesus said, alright, well, I'll come. And The Roman centurion said, no, I don't need you to come. I don't need you to come to the house. Just speak the word. Just say the word. Why did the Roman centurion, he's the only one in the entire New Testament that believed you just speaking the word will do it. And Jesus said, this man has the greatest faith in all of Israel. Why? Because the Roman centurion knew. Because you're under authority, you have authority. Because... I'm a man, I'm a man in authority, but my authority over my men is directly tied to the authority that I remain under. And so that's the first thing we see, that Saul was stripped of his authority. And we're not done yet. Verse uh, 27, and as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. This is some harsh words right here. He's saying, Just as you ripped that piece off of my robe, the kingdom's been ripped out of your hands, and God's already picked your predecessor. He's already picked the, he's already got the next one in line, lined up. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag into pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went up to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. So what are we talking about here? We we're, we're, we just came out of this separation, and there were things that uh, in our lives and, and, and as a church that we just can't go back to. There are things that uh, uh, we have to learn. See, this this wasn't 30 days of trying to be holier. This wasn't 30 days of, you know, I just want to, you know get on a good diet, or I just want to, you know, spend less time t- on the TV or on the internet, and then October 1 we pick everything back up. It was a l- practicing of a lifestyle that should be taking place. And every level in life, we have a requirement of hearing God. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be somewhere today that I wasn't, yesterday but that's going to require me to hear god a little bit better today than i heard him yesterday and respond quicker today than i responded yesterday and so god doesn't want to show back up in our lives see you you, you notice there's things in our lives that we want to give up when we all came into the kingdom or when we were born again or we asked jesus to you know there's those things that we want to give up there's addictions in our lives that we hated anyways And we're thankful. Deliverance and freedom is coming in that. There's friends that I didn't like hanging out anymore, and and they were a bad influence. And, you know, now I've got that freedom there. There was things that I used to do and and things I used to say and things that I used to be. But then there's those things in our lives that we actually enjoyed. The, The good stuff, we think. And, see, Saul, he had no problem getting rid of the worthless stuff. He had no problem with that. But there were things that he saw was valuable in his life. There were things that he thought, you know what, this will be good to hang on to. When he didn't realize that he was, he was commanded to carry out those orders because God was taking on that nation himself. God set himself up against the Amalekites and said, I want this nation out of here. I want my people to rid that people completely. Wipe them off the face of the planet. Kill every baby, because if there's a baby left behind, then they will grow up and one day continue the course. Kill them all. There's historians that say that the Amalekites uh, are, are still in the earth today and oppressing God's people. I don't know how much truth there is to it. I'm not a historian and, you know, I haven't studied it out. But they say that uh, even Hitler himself came from the line of the Amalekites. And we know that Hitler set himself up against the Jews, against God's people. They say even today, like in in, in Palestine, Palestinians, that there's still a form. Because going all the way back here, one man could not follow and obey the word of God. Could not cut off. And so Samuel shows up and says, why are dead things talking? If you obey God, if you perform the commandment of God as he spoke, then why am I coming back finding out that there's things in your life that you should have by now obtained that this isn't good. I've got to cut this thing off and get rid of it. It doesn't belong in my life. See, there's things that are oppressing God's people. And we are God's people. There are things that are oppressing us that he's already asked us long before to get rid of and to take on and destroy, utterly destroy, leave none of it behind. And we can't allow those things to creep in. We can't allow those things to continue to have a voice in our life. See, Saul was king. The only voice he needed to be listening to was God's voice. That's pretty lousy when you find a king over a people, over a nation, and he's being moved by the people. See, we can't be moved by that. Well, hey, it's okay if you hang on to that, you know. That doesn't make you less of a Christian. You're not less holy. You're not going to, you know, it's not going to be bad for you. Maybe in their life. But if God asks you to remove it, then it needs to be done away with. They don't know your life, and they're not living your life, and when the end comes, they're not going to stand in front of Jesus accountable for your life. And you can't look at them and say, well, so-and-so said it would be all right to hang on to that and continue doing that. When God's already dealt with you, you're not going to have much of a position there. Saul did it. Samuel didn't look at him and said, oh, the people did that? Oh, okay, well, we need to have a talk with the people then. No, he still held them responsible and he still said the kingdom has been ripped from you. Those people that you're allowing speaking to your voice, now you have no influence over them anymore. I wonder what people we've been asked to have influence over in our lives that we've allowed to speak into us more than us speaking into them. And we've got to gain that voice back. And we've got to realize they have no business speaking into our lives. They have no business telling us what we can do and what we can't do. If God has already tied it off and said, this goes, we don't need to touch it anymore, then no one else does because you breaking off from that thing may allow you to have an influence or impact on that person's life. They may find out, you know what, I don't need that in my life either. I've seen that they've become a better person without it, so maybe I'll become a better person without it. And then the tables have turned. You now have influence in them versus them having influence in you. And so we've got to protect the voices. We've got to protect those that are trying to speak into our lives. Go over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares, ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us lay aside every weight and sin. And we've touched on this a little bit. We talked a little bit about it when we did our champion series. Because there's a race we're running, and I'm going to do a lot worse than uh, 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 Travis here if I have five-pound weights wrapped around my ankles, and we both have the same starting point, and we go. Not that we're competing, but you can't run properly if you have weight tied to you. And there's uh, different levels. Uh, I like to put it this way. Your season determines your instruction. The season of life that you're in determines what type of instruction comes. Here's why I say that. Because Saul, there were times where they were told uh, to, to go to battle and they were allowed to take spoils. Uh, We we just talked about King Jehoshaphat not too long ago. And after God came down and destroyed all the enemy, it said it took them three days to collect the spoils. There are times when it's okay to go and, and take stuff from a battle. But there was another time in 1 Samuel chapter 15 where God shows up and says, Utterly destroy them all. So we can't look back and say, well, I was able to hang on to it at this time. God didn't mess with it there, so maybe I'm good with it here. No, the deeper and the higher that we go in God is going to require us to let go of more and more weight. There's more and more that's going to have to be dropped so we can go to the next level and do what God has called us to do. I've told you before, there's things uh, in my life I've been walking with God for Uh, you know, uh, when I say walking with God, you know, I've been, I believe in God and and going to church and try to live a disciplined life. I'm, I'm doing far better than I had previously. And that'll always be happening. But there were times in my life where there were things to let go of. And I was allowed to enter a level in my life with a certain thing. But the deeper and the closer that i got the more and more responsibility that was placed on my life the more and more i had to drop the more and more i had to let go of and i'll be honest with you i wish i would have let go of everything that i've let go of today back then but we know that that you know that that takes some that takes some courage that takes some some uh You know, audacity to just go in and say, you know what, I'm getting rid of everything right now. But the more you get rid of, the further you go. And so your season determines your instruction. And we can't live off of what God said at an earlier point in our life. And what God's telling you to to pull off today, know that that's not going to work next time. And when we need to get closer and we, we, we need to let go of some more stuff, we, we can't say, well, you know, last time I just had to do that, so, you know, I'm pretty good. Let's, let's go. Let's go deeper. And so we've got we've to identify the season. We've got to identify what instruction is coming. Not try to live off of what happened before. You can't, you can't live off of someone else's instruction. You can't listen to me and, and listen to me say, you know what, I'm not doing any meats for 30 days. I'm not eating any meat. And you say, all right, I'm not doing any meat. God needs to tell you that. It, you can't live off of my instruction. You can't go off of what he's telling me to do. But you need to hear that. It, just because I say I might be putting something down, that doesn't mean that you grab a hold of that and it, it may. Yet yeah, that that may bear witness with you and say, you know what, I, I need to drop that. I, I need to, that. That's something I need to put out of my life. I know when, you know earlier in my life where I was called to, to get rid of all the music that I used to Because I was a music guy, man. I, I loved new music. I played music. I was in bands. Went to, to concerts and shows every weekend. I mean, that was my life. And I had a collection. I had it and to get rid of all that and put all that down. But I know that if I told a couple friends that, it probably wouldn't have been too bad for them to go ahead and drop it too. That had the same desires and the same passions. So you got to hear from God. You got to know what God is saying. And if I would have if, if I had to listen to my friends and say, "Man, just because you listen to that, me that doesn't make you not a Christian?" That that's not a sin. That, that doesn't make you Doesn't mean you're going to be closer to God because you don't listen to that music. If I'd have listened to that voice, I'd have been like Saul. But yet I got a I got an obligation to hear God's voice and obey that voice in my life. Because then when God comes back to me, He doesn't want to hear dead stuff talking. He doesn't want to hear music that doesn't need to be playing. He doesn't want to see shows that I shouldn't be watching. He doesn't want to uh, see me spending time doing stuff when I need to be doing something different with it. That dead stuff doesn't need to be back there making any noise. It needs to be shut down. Why? Because when all that stuff is gone, now my focus is that much closer on him. Because there's things, there's decisions I have to make today, there's uh, things that he's calling me to do personally today that is going to require me to hear him very well. There's a lot at stake. There's more responsibility. There's more accountability. There's, there's more obligations that are there. And I have to be able to hear his voice clearly. But it didn't happen overnight. That did not happen overnight. Go over to um, Matthew chapter 6. Verse 33. And you know, I'm going to tell you this, because a lot of times we just, get, we just look at the natural. It's probably our biggest downfall as human beings. We just look at natural. And we just think, okay, you're not listening to that music anymore, so there must be something bad about the music. God has told me, personally, to stop listening to some other pastors. Now, does that make it... A sin that what they're saying is wrong? No. He's wanting me to shut other voices out so I can hear him. Because I don't want to preach like someone else and I don't want to do what another pastor's doing just because they're doing it. I don't want to do uh, what other churches are doing just because they're doing it. I've got to be able to hear him. But see, we get just stuck on the natural. Oh, that, that music must have been horrible. That must have, must have had all kinds of cuss words. No, actually, most of it was Christian. It just didn't glorify God. But we look at the natural and we say, well, there must have been something wrong with the music. When any time God asks you to put something down, it's a test of obedience. That's what it is. And a lot of times we, don't, we may not even know the reason. Saul didn't know. I mean, I'm sure he knew the history of how the Amalekites hurt Israel. And obviously God told him, I want you to get rid of them because of what they did way back here 500 years ago. But Saul wasn't there when that attack took place. That was 500 years ago. He wasn't there fighting them while Moses was up on the cliff holding his arms up. That was Joshua. It wasn't King Saul. So it's not about the thing. It's not about Facebook. It's not about the football. It's not about the show. It's not about the time spent on the Internet. It's not about the friends. Yeah, there's friends that I've cut out of my life. There's people that I've cut. Severed relationships. You're not benefiting me, and and you are not hearing anything I have to say any longer, so this relationship is not beneficial. And God has told me to. Now, don't just go doing that stuff without God telling you, but you know which ones are helping you and which ones are hurting you. And there's relationships that I've let go of that God said cut this off. And I may not even know exactly why, but it's not about me and you. It's about obeying God. And a lot of times you'll find that he's going he's to ask you to cut stuff off that you really want to hang on to. This is a test of obedience. Remember we talked about the disciples. And he said, if you're not willing to, to, to separate from mother and father and Brother and sister, you're not even fit for the kingdom. What's he saying? He's saying if you're not willing to let go of the closest thing to you and follow me, willing. If you're not willing to do it. That's why the rich young ruler just shows up. And that wasn't a test of, that wasn't trying to get the rich young ruler poor. I don't want you to have any money because I don't have any money and we don't. If you study it out, Jesus had money. His disciples had money. I mean, they were they were okay. They were doing all right. But when he told the rich young ruler, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, that wasn't a test of uh, would he do something humanitarian. That was a test of will he part with the thing that he's so close with? Will he obey me? Because if not, I'm not your lord. If, if if you won't obey me in this act, then I'm not your lord. I, I'm not the one calling the shots in your life. I'm not the dictator. The money's talking louder than I am right now, and you haven't you haven't done anything to shut that voice out. So in Matthew chapter six verse thirty three, it says, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added." unto you seek first first means priority means first thing first place seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you the greatest way to cut something out of your life is to seek the kingdom a lot of times we have trouble cutting things because we make a big deal out of what we're cutting we have a hard time turning the TV off for an hour uh, uh, less than we normally watch it every night because we just focus on everything we're missing. Well, I'm missing this show, and I'm missing that, and, and what else am I going to do? Seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Open up your Bible. Go pray. Get in a book that's going to that's, that's gonna help strengthen you. Seek the kingdom. Replace that time. Replace that voice. Replace it. Seeking the kingdom is the best way to cut something out of your life. It's the best way to let go of some stuff. I'm telling you right now, we're we're on the verge of some stuff as a church. I'm telling you. If you're not as excited as I am, I, I, passion is not taught. It's caught. So I just can't you know, teach you how to be passionate. You've got to catch where I'm at, but I am passionate right now, and this Sunday is going to be off the chain. And Pastor Earl is going to bring it this Sunday. I spoke with him uh, yesterday just a little bit about it, and, and we are excited about what God's doing here. And they get excited down there. I got a text message from one of the pastors this morning that said, you know, sorry I haven't been able to keep in touch with you like I want to, but I'm, I'm so excited about hearing everything that's going on up there. They are excited because they are just as connected with this church as you are. This church is bigger than 2314 Highway 84. This ministry is bigger than that. It goes way beyond what you see here in this room today. There is a whole other church congregating right now down in Florida. And they are jacked excited about what God's doing here. But the level that we're getting ready to go to is going to require us as a church to be looking at cutting some things off and and see and see cutting is for growth. Any farmer knows this. And we got rooms of we got a room of them. You know that if you want something to grow better or quicker, any gardener knows. Anybody that's planting anything, sometimes there's some pruning that's got to take place. Sometimes there's some shaving that let's get rid of that so we don't lose the whole thing. Jesus said, "I am the vine, You are the branch. He said, if you're bearing fruit, you will be pruned. If you don't bear fruit, you get cut off. Cutting's coming either way. (laughs) The pruning's happening either way. Something's going to get cut. I'd rather go ahead and get cut and, man, it may hurt for a little bit, but it's going to cause growth in my life rather than getting cut off and being thrown in the fire, like he said. You want to be productive. You want to bear fruit. But there's things that need to be let go. There's, there's dead things that don't need to be talking, speaking in our lives. I just want to read these verses to you real quick. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says, The one who loves discipline loves knowledge, but the one who hates reproof is stupid. That's what it says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 says, If you endure chastening, God's, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And then over in Revelations, it actually says that the Lord chastens those he loves. That's his, that is his proof, that's his identification of his love, is the fact that he wants to correct you, and that he wants to, hey, let's drop this, let's go with this, because i got a plan for your life. i got something I want you to do. There's there's a great plan, there's a great destiny I have in store for you, and if we can get rid of that, we can break off and go into some awesome things. It's His love that does that. We've identified love as let me do whatever I want to do, but that's not love. If you love your child, you don't let them do whatever they want to do, you teach them, and you train them, and if they don't get it right, you correct them and say, hey, we didn't get it right this time, but because I love you and I want to see you get it right next time and do everything you're supposed to do, let's correct this and do this, and let's get it right. That's his identification as a father and as a king who loves us, because there's a plan and a destiny and a purpose that we're to fulfill, and we got to stay on that path. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't know the the, the whole path. I don't have the whole plan. And so if I start to veer off, I don't know. But if he corrects me and says, nope, that's not the way, this is the way, then I'm going to listen to him instead of creating my own path. And so that's what that, that chasing and that correction is for. That cutting off uh, allows us to become everything that he wants us to be. To do everything he's called us to do. Death hinders life. Death hinders life. If you have something on your body, like, you know, gangrene, man, that stuff will spread. So what do they want to do? They want to cut it out. If you have an infection and it's not going away on its own, they want to they go in there and get rid of it. Why? Because it's hindering your life. It's hindering you being effective in doing. If you have a plant or a tree or something that has something dead on it, you want to get rid of it because it will it will hinder the life of the tree or of the plant. And so we get rid of that. And so we don't want to hold on to those things. We just got out of 30 days and I don't want us to get into a, 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 a thing of this is what I did for the last 30 days. Aren't you proud of me? Because... 30 days. We all know it, it takes a while to get a habit going. When I when I deleted uh you know on, on September 1st when I deleted my Facebook and Twitter apps, it took me a few days to not go to my phone. Oh, yeah, it's it's gone. It's not there anymore. Oh, yeah, I'm not looking at it. But man I mean it's been a little more. I mean, I found myself even now. Oh man, I didn't I didn't get on there today. Whereas you know, a month ago it would have been completely different. And that's me. That was something that, I, you know what, I, wanted, I, I just want to shut those voices out. Not that they're bad, not that they're causing me to sin, not that they're, they're a bad influence on my life, but I just want to hear his voice. I, I want to practice hearing his voice first. Because I'll be honest with you, there was some things that I'd see some stuff on there, because I follow some pastors, I follow some ministers. On Twitter. And they give all kinds of ideas and all kinds of things. And and the first thought is, wow, that's cool. We need to do that. When my first thought needed to be, God, is that what we need to do? That needed to be my first thought. Because that may be great for you, but if he hasn't called us to do that, then I don't want to do it just because I heard another voice. See, if the serpent would have showed up and said, hey, What did God tell you about that tree? Well, he said, if we eat the fruit, we'll surely die. You know what? He's right. You will die. Don't eat it. Well, then that voice would have been okay to listen to because it was in alignment with God's voice. So we need to take the voices we have in life and we need to say, okay, God, is that the voice I need to be listening to? Is that your voice? Is that in alignment? Is that in uh, confirmation with what you're saying? That's why we say, you know, if someone ever prophesies over your life, you don't just take that just because they, let's take it back to the Word. One, does it line up with the Word? Two, does it line up with what God's telling you? Well, I believe you're called to go to Somalia to minister to the orphanages. I have no desire to go to Somalia to minister to the orphanages. I don't know that God's done that, but I guess I'm going to do it because Prophet, Prophet so-and-so said to Get on a jet plane. So we're packing stuff, flying over there. and So we've got to line it up, get it with God's voice. And so I just want to practice hearing his voice clear, making his the first priority, seeking first the kingdom of God. Then everything else behind that, it will be very discernible. You'll find and you probably already are, that from what you did last month, getting into this month, that now you're, you're, you're seeing direction clear, And there's, more, there's better guidance that's taking place in your life. And you're saying, you know what, that is of God. Or, you know what, you know maybe a month ago I might have jumped in on that, but now I don't know that's the best thing for me. Because we're making time to put his voice first, to get in his word and seek what he says. Because one, we know if it don't line up with the Bible, then we throw it out. But, you know, there's some things in, that aren't in the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell me if I should go back to school or not. The Bible doesn't tell me if I should invest this money that was given or if I should do this with it. The Bible doesn't tell me to start a business. or So we got to hear the Holy Spirit on those things. And we can't listen to the parents. And we can't listen to our sisters and family members and our Facebook friends. And we got to hear God's voice. And that's when we'll make the decisions that are going to propel us into His excellence. Amen? Father, we thank You for Your Word this evening. We thank You that we're diligent to, to keep the dead things out of our lives, the things that You have called us to cut out, the, the things that You have uh, called us to devalue and dishonor in our life, Father, so that we can hear You clearer. Father, we, we place a value there. We cause it to become... Not just what took place in the last 30 days, but a practicing of a lifestyle of following hard after you. See, if King Saul would have followed your words in that command, then the next battle he would have gotten into, he would have said, okay, what does God want us to do here? Instead of, what do I want to do, or what are the people saying? Father, we don't want to be moved, no matter how small the decision, by anything else than your word. Than what you have to say about it. And Father I thank you that you are speaking to us. This isn't, uh, this isn't a religion or a, a belief system. That we hope you hear us when we pray. And you know, we can't hear you unless you, know, you, you just feel like speaking to us. Father we can hear you every time you speak. And you can hear us every time we speak. And we thank you for that. That's an honor to be able to hear your voice. That's an honor to be able to follow your guidance and your direction to live out the purpose and the the destiny that you have for our lives. So, Father, we thank you tonight that we cut off those dead, dead things, we keep them shut down, and we learn to follow and obey your voice quicker every time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.